And welcome to episode 62 of the Brood Sages. Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader. And with me as always are Sabaiku and Thomas. Sabaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. And Thomas, how are you doing, sir? Pretty all right. <laughs> we are the Brood Sages. Easily the second best Stormbound related podcast in production. And just as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Where for all of you who are honestly just sick and tired of my bad jokes about being old, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. Uh, we have patch notes as usual. Um, and these patch notes were maybe a little bit more notable or at least anticipated uh, than, than usual because of the changes of ownership in the game. Uh, and we'll get to that. Um, uh, in fact, that's the first thing on the patch notes. Just as an, a reminder, you can find the link to our patch no- uh, the patch notes in our show notes. Um, so the Sheepyard logo went away, guys, and we now have Stormbound Games, which apparently is a conglomeration of a lot of the designers and developers from Sheepyard who were assigned to the game and, uh, some of the old guard from Paladin Studios. What do we think? Like knee-jerk reactions. What, what, what do we, what do we think? Well, it's nice to know that this new company is really going to be just focused on Stormbound. They are trying to bring other games around at the same time. Uh, you know, I mean that I'm optimistic that uh, it'll be a high priority and that uh, interesting things will be coming down the road. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully things go well for them. Yeah. Thomas, where, where, where are you at with this? Basically the same thought. Uh, obviously, as long as they uh, keep turning out um, ideas at a high rate, uh, there was uh, a time frame when Paladin was cranking out some some things in large swaths. So hopefully they can kind of try and crank it back up to 11 on a more regular basis. Yeah, I guess that's my biggest sort of uh, thing on this was I, I was hoping to hear a little bit more about the direction, right? Like, I, I'm glad what was to actually hear that, going to happen with right, it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, just... very, they're very excited about what's coming, but they're not telling us what that is. And um, I don't know. I, I have a lot of questions and concerns, right? Like, uh, look, look, you know, I started the game at a point where Paladin was kind of done. They, they weren't going to really, they, they were going to maintain the code base as it was, but they weren't going to really add anything new. So the game was being kept alive but just about that right and then sheepyard comes along and says hey no 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 no. we've got some great ideas we're gonna take it and they did they had some great ideas right like right away we we saw better onboarding we get the heroes league we get better rewards the economy gets changed a bit uh we get draft mode which is freaking awesome right we even get some new brawls in there and then suddenly well actually this is like we're gonna shift gears guys we, we we're gonna we're gonna go like was it not working out that's the like I, that's where i was at when i heard the news was well wait what was wrong with what was happening mm-hmm. uh did you know was sheepyard thinking oh gosh this is more than we can chew or was paladin saying whoa 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 this is not the direction we wanted our licensing to go or was were both sides of it just saying hey what if we got together and did something even bigger and that big question of well why this change isn't given like isn't given any light in in the the patch notes so yeah. i'm cautiously optimistic but i'm also a little worried <laughs> yeah i think it's uh it's impossible for you and i to not be worried freeloader like you said we came on when paladin was in charge of the game but really had just left it for dead it felt like um 
it, it, so we we never really saw what was happening when they were actively managing the game, but we're correct, left with a correct. negative impression anyway. At the end of the day, they have this was their opportunity to explain to us what's going on. Right, uh, Bajosa admitted that yeah, since we did uh, the draft mode, uh, and that was like an amazing turnaround, right? From, from hey, we're thinking about doing something to hey, guys, guess what? It's here. Uh, that was that was amazingly fast. It was an amazing thing they did, and it was wonderfully executed. But since then, Bajos has admitted that, yeah, we've kind of put uh, all additional like big changes on hold while this whole Sheepyard Games thing was was getting figured out. So in my mind, I'm going back to when I got started. I'm going back to Paladin. And again, I don't want to be too pejorative towards Paladin because I really have not experienced the game when they were managing it. I experienced the game after they kind of, in some biker's words, left it for dead. But in my experience, the game has never been in a healthier meta and a more balanced meta than when Sheepyard was running it. There are no more, right? Queen was broken with bucks. Chestnuts was broken. Like all these cards were busted. Gift cost less, right? Like you could get it with Aaron. You could put 15 health on the board and get free mana. What is going, like the game was bonkers back then. Uh, and, And maybe we need a little bit of that bonkers magic, right? But at the same time, I'm just, I'm unsure. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm just, I'm cautious because at the end of the day, if somebody asked me, would you like to go back to the game as it was when you picked it up in 2000, what is that? 2020, 2019, whatever it was now. That was 2019, end of 2019, going into 2020. I think if I look at the game then and look at the game now, I'd rather the game now, right? 100% agree. I was about to quit the game in uh, December of 2019 because all the uh, elders had been released and that was before I joined Discord, so I had no idea what was going on or I was just completely in the dark and just seeing just this massive influx of completely OP cards that totally felt like a, a cash grab and then just dead silence and uh, the servers were actually like starting to go to crap at that point in time. And so you're having a lot of um, issues with getting queues and uh, games uh, erroring out and stuff like that. So I, I thought they were actually shutting the servers down. So, um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but Sabaiko, even, even just sort of fundamental things like figuring out that there should be uh, life caps, base health caps and card level caps in some of the lower leagues so that players like you and I didn't don't no longer have to go through running into all level five cards in silver and gold. Yeah, definitely making the new player experience much better as you rank up uh, through some of those, you know, silver and gold leagues um, and definitely improving the economy and realizing how much of a pain point it was and how much of a grind it was, even for players that are paying. Um, so I, I'm definitely glad that Sheepard kind of like redesigned the fundamentals of the game a little bit to help ease people into it. Um, yeah, and that that kind of thing, again, is what has me worried a little bit about it going back to Paladin, where they didn't seem to have a good grasp on what a reasonable economy for the game was. Sure, or even just where they wanted to take the game anymore. And and, and so so I thought... And I've proposed to my, my my mates here that that maybe we should try to bring a voice to some ideas on where the game should go from here. Right, the game's been stalled out again uh, for the second time in a, in in two or three years. It's it's kind of stalled out. Development's kind of been put on pause for a little bit. Reorg is happening. 
so maybe this is an opportunity to have a conversation about, okay, so what's working with the game? What's not working with the game? And, and fundamentally, what needs to change with the game to bring it kind of into the stratosphere of where we think it could go if it was like a perfect game? And so I, I, that's kind of what I want to try to do with our, our episode tonight, right? I, I know uh, the three of us, uh, for different reasons, are not playing as much as we were. Some of that is because the game is, again, stalled out. Some of that is because life is impacting us. I mean, I haven't. I'm barely touching the game anymore. I I owe Mock like the world's largest apology for just having zero time to put into helping him with the uh, uh, the the guide that he's trying to write. And I know I've promised I'm going to do it. I will. It's just you know. But with all of that, yes, we are older, more mature libraries. We are whales, if you want to call us whales. We are end gamers, if you want to call us that. But here's the thing about end gamers: end gamers are your existing customer base. And as anybody who's done Marketing 101 can tell you, it is easier to sell more to your existing customers than it is to acquire new ones. And so while Sheepyard is doing a wonderful job of onboarding, of making the new player experience better, of growing the game, which is a important, no doubt, thing to be doing, there's also the concern about, well, what about the customers that you currently have, that you who've been your customers for years now? Uh, what, sh- you know, what should the game be doing to, to keep them engaged and enjoying the game. And, and so that's where I want to kind of go with this tonight, guys, is Sheepyard's taking a pause, uh, Stormbound Games is picking it up. Where do we think the game needs to go here to make it a long-lasting fun game? Um, and feel free to just like, again, we're, we're free-flowing here. We're going off the rails. Sabaiku, just, just give me some, some thoughts on your feelings on, on where the game is and, and what feels right and wrong with it. Yeah, well, let's start with what feels right, because right now, like you said earlier, it, the game has really never been more balanced. Uh, Sheepyard put a lot of a lot of effort into finding those unused cards in the collection and changing them, you know, for definitely changing them for the better, not necessarily enough that they see play uh, Flaming Stream. I'm looking at you, uh, <laughs> but at least they made an honest attempt there, like putting things in a place where nothing is terrible um, and really reining in, you know, like you said, uh, the queen that was pulling the bucks and the seven mana gift of the wise that Aaron would cast and like you're pulling in all those overpowered cards and making the games just a little more even uh, rather than just who gets to their power card first. Um, so the game has never been in a healthier state in terms of power level of the cards and in terms of faction balance, um, you know, with the exception of Shadowfen, you can really get on ladder and play just about anything. <laughs> Still, I'm still salty about Sucks Queen of Frogs. Suck. <laughs> I'm still salty about the frogs, but it's uh, it's actually still perfectly viable to play Shadowfen on ladder. Um, it's just not as strong as it used to be. So, so I think that they got all of that right. The question is, now that all of that is in a good state, like you've cleaned up the mistakes from the past, where are you going to take it? Um, I don't know if that's new game modes, new cards that change the way we play the game. Um, but I, but I do know that right now we're still playing the game in the same way we were two years ago, just 
we're playing it with higher level cards. And that's not quite enough to keep players coming back year after year. It's enough to keep players coming back month after month. But on a, on a longer time scale, it, it starts to get a lot more difficult. Yeah, Th- Thomas, I, I'm not claiming to be psychic here, but I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to say that you, next month, could play anything in any faction that's going to, let's say, put units into your opponent's base until you've done at least 20 to win. And it doesn't really matter what set of cards you choose to do that. You'll be able to get through Diamond. You'll be able to get through most of Heroes League until you start getting into the real top, at which point you're going to have to more carefully select the 12 cards that you push into your deck that are going to do exactly the same thing that the other builds were doing, but just do them more efficiently at a higher efficiency point so that you can compete with the other people at the top of Heroes League. Does that sound about right? Is that what you're going to do next? 100%. I mean, obviously the two ways to win in this game are either um, to push units into the base or to chip. And that is literally the only two ways to win this game. There's only so many months in a row that you can spend just doing those same two things, right? Like there there are limited amounts of chip and, and, and it does appear that chip is a little overpowered. It is easy to make overpowered chip cards to the point where everyone seems to be cautious about allowing them to have decent amount of strength or low mana cost, those kinds of or things. Or movement. Right? Or movement. We all, we all remember the boomers. Boomers. We all remember, you know, hairy chestnuts, right? Like, like, so, okay. So, so, so we really have like one and a half chip works, but, but we don't like having strong chip cards in the game. So it's really about pushing units into the base for the most part, maybe with a little bit of chip. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every every meta report we ever did, we always had some variation of mid-range at mm-hmm. the top of the meta because that that really is what works. Maybe maybe it's a light mid-range that's a little more aggressive, like the ironclad versions we used to see. Sure. Maybe it was a heavier mid-range that's a little slower, like the Bragda Shadowfan decks, but mm-hmm. it was always some variation of a mid-range deck that was optimal. Right. Uh, and, and so I think I think we're kind of all in agreement here that if, if Sheepyard slash Stormbound Games slash Paladin wants to keep this game feeling fresh, especially for your existing player base, a new win condition, take your pick fatigue some new form of of damage dealing i don't know what it is life gain <laughs> yeah once you've gained 100 life the game is over oh my <laughs> gosh i would rip my hair out but 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 some new like look uh, uh, cards that uh uh when, when played you know on play uh remove remove or on death you could even do on death because then your opponent can silence it and and have some counterplay right uh removes a card from your opponent's deck and then your opponent can simply fatigue when there's not four cards left to redraw from. Uh, 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 we could shuffle in mines when your opponent draws one of them, they take five damage kind of a thing. Shuffle mines into your opponent's deck and play around with their cycling because now are you, you're scared of cycling because, oh my gosh, there's a mine. I don't want to take the damage from it. Um, there's a lot of options out there. And I don't necessarily know that it's our res- like like. It's not within like our expertise to say which one's right for the game because we don't run the game. But but gosh, having more options for how to win would certainly change not only how we play when we're playing those decks, but also how even if we choose not to play those decks, how we would have to play against them, right? 
Like, yeah. I could still play a Bragda deck, but Sabaiku, I have to play it very differently, right? Uh, like, like, there's hand management from Pirates, so you can play with your own hand in your own deck, but... Like, there's never been a way to interact with your opponent's cards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or your opponent's deck. You're talking about, you know, really just fundamentally using that. Uh, gosh, I guess it would be kind of like the code that they developed for the uh, single-use cards, right? Like, essentially making your opponent's cards single-use to remove them from their deck um, or adding cards to their deck, uh, only like a trap card. Yeah. Or a mine card, right? Yeah, right. like 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 those are those are breaking the rules of the game. Like the 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 game doesn't let you allow with doesn't allow for you to interact with your opponent like that. Oh, that's a really good point. But Thomas, I I I think like the best cards in this game break the rules of the game, right? Like, isn't isn't aren't those the most interesting cards? Okay, yeah. So you said best cards in the game. They're they're not necessarily the strongest cards in the game, uh, like Sparkly Kitties or Wild Saber Paws, but they're the ones that fundamentally change the way a general game gets played out. And those are the ones that are actually memorable that actually want to make you continue queuing up. You don't care Mm. about the games where you're queuing up and you're constantly seeing the same uh, nine cards out of a 12 card deck over and over. The the ones that are memorable are the ones where your opponent had the the rogue sheep that sold your gift of the wise. And then you played your rogue sheep and sold their gift of the wise for an extra down to seven mana gift of the wise. Holy crap. What is this? (laughs) (laughs) Things like right. that that are just really con- like those are the things that stick in your mind. Like think of the one crazy game that you played last week or last month. Like there will be a game that you can think of, and those will be the ones that you think of are the ones that are like, oh my gosh, this was weird or unique or just really cool. And those are the things that you really want to stick. Right, right. Uh, uh, Snake Eyes has been a card oh, so that much lately. Fun. That lately, every time I play against it, I'm just in awe of how different I have to factor in everything. Oh, he 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 played he played that card two turns. There's nothing. I go, oh wait, but then he played Snake Eyes. <laughs> wait, the following turn he played Snake Eyes. What is in his hand now? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but yeah, Sabaiku, I think you're onto something here. I break the game. Well, is, and you I, know, sorry, you said you asked Thomas for for. A discussion around some of the cards and I'm, I'm thinking like some of the more successful cards that sheepyard introduced this year really broke the rules of the game right um you know uh maybe zero doesn't see a lot of play but it sure is interesting and if you have it in your deck you do play in a different way and you're you're trying to bring back units that uh you know just did not exist a moment ago um sure, sure. favel is kind of like a tower kind of like a unit but it doesn't move forward it doesn't stand nah, still it's just right? mini twilight it's mini twilight <laughs> mini twilight it doesn't move forward but it doesn't stand still like that's interesting that breaks the way that that units behave in the game temple of space comes to mind to me as a card that breaks the game right like i it's it's maybe not powerful enough but boy are those games weird <laughs> right like mers and and guardy both break the rule of only 12 cards in your deck yep um yep. and you know we uh admittedly when we reviewed guardy uh initially it was a different version it was a five mana no movement version uh 
but you know from from some of the YouTubes I've been seeing from the success I had with it in brawl and in draft like it's it's a super strong card and we were totally wrong on it because it breaks the rules of the game and it's fun to play on top of being uh, uh super good yep and i just want to point out when we say breaks the game we specifically mean exactly what subaiko just said that breaks the rules of the game we, we don't want a card every single month that breaks the game and that is going to be the number one heroes league deck yeah yeah like, not, breaking it in terms of, not breaking it in terms of power level but yes. in no. terms of doing Break- things that you shouldn't be allowed to do exactly 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 because because like look in terms of the cards that Sheepyard has introduced, I can't think of a card that was more ubiquitously uh, adopted and and fit in to as many decks as Kitties. Kitties sees play everywhere now, right? It is the new gifted recruits. But here's the problem with Kitties. Yes, it was a successful card. Yes, it was a su- successful launch. No, the games don't feel any different. It did nothing to change the staleness, if you will, of the meta. It didn't bring in a new style of play. It didn't enable a new deck. It's just a better Lawless Herd or, you know, West Wind Sailors. Like at the end of the day, it's just, it's slight power creep. And and so, yes, it it, it, it is everywhere now. And that's great that, that cards are being added to the game so the libraries get bigger. But no, it's not, it's not changing the game game the way a MERS changes the game or a harvester of souls changes the game or you know whatever and 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 i think the the wonderful job that sheepyard has done of balancing the game thomas is great but we need to perturb that balance every once in a while maybe not every month one of these cards needs to come out but man every once in a while we need a card that just comes out and just shakes it up a bit not necessarily to your point by by uh power level but just by play style or something such that the game starts to feel fresh again. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's you were drinking. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't see you, <laughs> but I can hear the whiskey ice bouncing around. <laughs> no, terribly 100%. Yeah. And then, you know, what? if you want to, if you want to experiment and try to find ways to keep the game fresh, like introduce them as brawl modifiers, like, Oh my gosh! Yes, right. Please. Like let it play, Please. play around. Use the brawl as a testing ground. Use it as a place to experiment and uh, find out what works. Find out what people like. Find out, you know, exactly how to tweak this or that variable to make sure that it it's something that's viable. Uh, exactly. That's the perfect testing ground because that's exactly where you've got your top level players that are not likely to suddenly immediately leave after a single week of something that they didn't like, unlike where you have to risk that with uh, new players joining a game and they joined right at the perfect time that you were introducing this new thing and they decided they didn't like it and they deleted it. Right, and I love it when you get on Discord and people are like, oh man, this this new brawl, Like, what's a good deck for this? How do I want to approach it? And there's there's conversation around it. You get people excited to talk strategy. It, it's a great way to do it. Right? Like, oh, you should pair it in this faction because you can pair it with that versus somebody else is like, no, 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 no. It's better in this faction because you can do that. And those kinds of conversations are interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with both of you. This is like, brawl is, is stale. 
the new brawls that they do every month are just introducing the new cards. It's right. It's part of the new product launch, which I appreciate. Like that's helpful. It lets people play with it and test it and see if they want to use it. But there's so much more potential there in terms of experiment. Hey, make a, make a structure that's like, Everybody can build an 11 card deck. The 12 cards, a new structure. You can't, it doesn't exist in the game. It just exists in Brawl. What does it do? Both players play with three cards in their hand when it's in the play. <laughs> That's it. I love it. <laughs> you, it bo both of you, like while it's, while it's alive on the board for either of you, everybody has three cards in hand instead of four. What does that do? I, I, I don't know. It changes it the entire the fundamentals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It breaks the game. And maybe we find out that, gosh, that sucks. That's not fun. Okay. Well, then good news. <laughs> We're not going to do it, but right. maybe it does. Yeah. Maybe don't, it... don't be afraid to get rid of the brawls if they aren't good. And don't yeah. be afraid to get rid of the old ones. Like, you know, not, not too many people are really excited about frostlings have extra strength again. Or aftershock. Stop. No more. Uh, I think you mean after Temple of Time, aftershock is your favorite brawl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But 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 in but in all seriousness, yeah, th this is a wonderful laboratory. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, more seasoned players feel like they're obligated to play brawl because it's the only way for them to convert the excess amount of gold they have into resources that they can use, like rubies, like fusion stones. Right? Like, there's no other way to convert gold to fusion stones aside from brawl. So, but for everyone who's at that stage. It's tedious, and it's something that none of them seem to enjoy. It's something that they have to do. But getting to experiment with new brawls all the time, with just new crazy rules that maybe never show up again, to Sabaiku's point, um, I don't know that that would necessarily reinvigor brawl and, and increase the overall player base's excitement for it. But at least, Sabaiku, I think you're right that it would increase the amount of conversations around it and the interaction and discord and, and brainstorming, if nothing else, about what the heck do you do with this new modifier? Do we think this is enough, I guess? Is, I'll, let's ask that as our next question. If, if we started seeing big-time experimentation, like just crazy stuff being introduced into Brawl, and maybe once or twice a quarter those things being brought into the game... Do we, do we feel like that freshens it up enough versus like, hey, now there's lost psyches. Hey, now there's kitties. Hey, now there's erratic neglects. You know, these kinds of like, yeah, they broaden out the library, but they're not really changing the game much kind of stuff. Is that enough or do we need like a new game mode? So, Baiku, you can go first. Well, I, I do think, yes, eventually. I mean, you saw how much of the game changed when draft came into it. Um Mm. my friend's mm -hmm. list has never been so active as like the first two months that draft was around you know every monday the number of people on the friend list would be triple what it was on any you know random uh wednesday or friday like people were just really into playing it and i can't blame them because it was new and fresh uh and it still remains a lot of fun um but fundamentally uh you need to get that you know, you need to freshen up the game every uh, every six months, every 12 months. I'm not sure what the right frequency is there. I don't know what the right cycle is. It can't just be we're playing around with new brawls and we introduce some minor change to ranked every couple of months as a result of that. I, I think it's got to be more substantial. 
Yeah, I think I, th- I think you're right, uh, and I think you could probably follow some metrics on like queue times to figure out, uh, you know, how often you have to keep some fundamental changes to the game going before you start to see that queue time <laughs> increase, you know, a little too rapidly. Uh oh, people are are getting tired of the game and 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 walking away for a little bit, waiting for the next big change, kind of a thing. Thomas, we have two new cards. As I whoa, you didn't even ask me. I know because I wanted to introduce this with it. But okay, it's okay fine, if you want me fine, to just fine. all right. No, so okay. so <laughs> as we t- as we talk about these ideas around making uh, uh, fundamental changes and trying to uh, uh, you know increase the styles of play and whatnot, um, how do you see the new cards, the Chateau de Cardboard and Catnip's Charm? Uh, and for those of you who want to see what they do, you can just jump into the patch notes real quick if you haven't had the opportunity yet. But how do you like? We're going back to confusion again. Are, are we in stasis? Are we going backwards? Or are these kinds of like, like even, I guess, I guess the real fundamental question I want to get to is even if these work and we finally get the feline confusion deck of, of, of legend, are we not just still making slight mod of, you know, like slight changes to the same concept of, well, you got to get units into base? Well, okay. Be- before we go to that oversimplification, I, I do want to go in depth on these cards because these cards are awesome. Um, I am like, I, I do want to give massive, massive props to Sheepyard. Number one, because they are both common. We have an entire month where all of our <laughs> cards introduced are common. <laughs> that, that's most important. And number two, they're actually really good cards. They're solid. Um, in draft mode, the Chateau de Cardboard is going to be extremely powerful. Um, I, I am personally going to draft that as a tier zero card. I may not be leveling Whoa. it up. Uh, I've told, been telling you guys for a while now that Glacier Palace has been a, a, a tier zero card. And I think Chateau is uh, just a slightly better version because um, when you're like an ironclad, if you could choose between Glacial or like something that freezes or something that gives confusion, confusion is obviously a little bit better at that point. Right, freezing is better specifically because it is a winter card. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yes, uh, but if you didn't have those uh, combos for the freezing, then confusion of, is of course better. And so it's it's going to be an OP card in in draft mode, and it finally helps round out um, cards for your uh, ranked uh, cat deck because this has been heavily needed for so long. There's just not a lot of good activators. There's one. There's there's one good way to activate confusion. And when we say good, we mean cheap, right? Because you need to combo the cards that take advantage of confusion on the same turn that the exactly. unit is confused. And like, it's very unlikely that you'll be able to make it to eight or nine mana mm-hmm. and have a board state such where you can play excited mousers and hair-raising cats or melodious. And you know, having a structure that sticks on the board that just applies it every turn without using your mana. Now you can set up your hand for it. You can make sure that you have sufficient mana for it. You do still need front because hair raising and melodious both need to be near the unit. Um, but you have extra mana that you can use to move your front and actually like get the effect you're trying to accomplish. Yep. Well, the nice thing is that even if you don't necessarily have front to be able to utilize it this turn, this thing keeping your opponent's tempo further back allows you if even if you got reset to continue start advancing forward since your opponent doesn't 
get to continue advancing forward. So it's just wonderful all the way around in that regard. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we, we, we debated the existence of this card, maybe, or proposed the existence of this card, maybe maybe a year or two ago, uh, when we were first, when, when Sheepyard was first, like, expanding the confusion set. And we kept saying, well, this is all great, but there's just not enough activators. We need something, and, and I think somebody proposed something like Venomfall, right? And this is, yeah, this is, this is exactly that. It's a four-mana tower. It does what confusion needs it, it it very well on its own might be enough to create a confusion deck that yeah, works yeah, yeah. It, at least gives it a chance like if if confusion was ever going to make it as a mechanic these two cards needed to be in the set because it just was never consistent enough mm-hmm. sure and, and catnip's charm two mana it's nice and cheap uh it's not another unit well back going back to the chat too like I'm going to grab that in draft, even if it's my, uh, I think the 10th card is what you can grab up to your last common. And I've got zero other um, confusing modifiers. Yeah, it's, it's just a good stall card. It's a good control card. Yep, exactly. So yeah, I, I just really want to point that out. Like that, this is very wonderfully done. And I haven't been doing enough of that in the last uh, two or three months. <laughs> so give it where it's due for sure. And as someone who who is a proud papa of three cats, may I say that the art is fantastic. My cats would love to play on this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So I'll also give you Catnip's Charm since you're so excited about these comments. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So we got Catnip's Charm. Um, confuse target unit and give five strength to the weakest friendly feline. And this also can actually just go into any deck because, as we know in Ranked, We've got Sparkly Kitties and Wild Saber Paws in basically every single deck ever. And so we we generally almost always have the opportunity to give our uh, our kitty uh, an extra five strength. The only thing that makes this a little bit difficult is actually specifically having a unit to confuse first to be able to play this card. But it this is a, a great card to just be able to add into any general uh, mid-range deck. Yeah, you'll be able to buff up the two cards that you're running anyway, right? Like, that's, that's the most important thing. Uh, and then, you know, like you said, having a unit. Yeah, it's good to stall if it's an enemy unit. Frankly, I've had times where I have defended and been like, God, I like I have this chonker of a unit on uh, one row out from my baseline and it's going to move up next turn. And I don't think I can adequately block. But if I had Catnip's Charm in my deck, you know, I could hit those Dawn Sparks one row out and just keep them there just say Dude, yeah you know what like like this is <laughs> this is just gonna stay here blocking up the row and if you park something next to it it might attack your unit and give me extra mana again that is such a good point additionally like to the dawn sparks point it's so annoying when you're playing non-winter decks and your opponent plays the dawn sparks and you don't have your icicle burst to, to freeze their unit to prevent their four uh, mana and now every single faction has a way to prevent dawn sparks mana gain unless they then confuse it themselves back and then their dawn sparks attack sideways <laughs> that's See? look at that 3d chess right there <laughs> oh look these if are, you're that worried both... about dawn sparks you can just run stoic protectors right like yeah, oh the, the tools are there but look, I want to get back to these cards. These are both excellent cards. I think you are absolutely right, Thomas. Um, these should see play. These should see a good amount of play. Um, the concern that I go back to, though, Sabaiku, is just that at the end of the the fundamental issue 
that the that the game seems to have right now about like it just gets stale after a while. These these like confusion on its own is a fun mechanic. But at the end of the day, my opponent is trying to put things into my base. I'm trying to put units into their base. We're not really changing that calculus here. No, no, we're not. Although we're using our opponent units against them, and that will never not be funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why I love playing conversion decks, right? Um, Yeah, no, I agree. Confusion is a fun mechanic, um, in part because it introduces a bit of RNG to the game that nobody knows what's going to happen, right? Like that was what was always fun with a fluffy is you you play fluffy and you're just like, I don't know what's going to happen now, but it's going to be interesting to hit end turn and find out. All right, so we're 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 both. Everybody's positive on the two new cards, right? Definitely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay, we're good. So so that's that's a that's a positive moving into September. Obviously, there's the standard brawls that are going to accompany these guys. Uh, there's the standard um, uh, 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 special uh, packs bundles that they'll give uh, uh, as part of their product launches. N- nothing unusual there. There are no other balance changes, if you weren't aware, uh, this coming month. Um, Sheepyard said they just they didn't have time to to do a full evaluation of what's being OP uh, to see what they needed to move around. Um, but I think that's okay because at the end of the day, look, I've been playing the same four decks now since May and June. I think I introduced my last deck into my lineup in June. That was the one with the diehards in it, the diehards and Final Sacrifice. And um, I'm just I'm not having any difficulties climbing to Heroes League with any of them. Um, and that is both a positive but also a negative right like nothing is changing significantly in the meta that i have to adjust what i'm doing um nothing is it it just it it feels like the same set of grind every month uh which is kind of where we're at right now right this is this is what we're trying to talk about um are there any kind of like big overarching thoughts about like I, I know I, we don't want to specifically tie into like say it's got to be fatigue or it's got to be this or it's got to be that. But are there any thoughts about like coming from other games? Are there any examples from other games about um, like ways in which the game broke itself with a new card that that any either of you found really fun or interactive that that might be the kind of thing that you're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe not this exact card, but something in this vein. I don't have a card. I have a mode. So Ooh, okay. Well, it's not even necessarily a mode. It's that so in this in the patch notes that we've gotten, we've gotten the the peak leaderboard and uh they think that will help the queue times in um in in Heroes League. And in my mind, unfortunately, this does literally nothing except for in the month of September when people are testing it out. Hmm. And the reason for this is because people, so like when you were talking about fatigue, the fatigue I'm about to talk about is the burnout that people feel when they are forced to basically do the same thing over and over and not get any new results, uh, essentially. And so when people want to go into Heroes League and they are, are trying to grind higher and higher on their list... And they get to kind of like the screenshot that we have. I've got it pulled up. And this person that's in first place is at uh, 9,000 crowns, which is uh, way higher than anyone has ever gotten. Well done. Yeah, Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) They they may feel like, well, now they've gotten their peak and it's locked and loaded at 9,000 crowns. And so now they can meme around for the entire rest of the month. Well, the issue is if they do that, if they continually match with second place person who is at 2,300 points, 
they're just going to continually feed that person crowns and that person will continually get closer and closer to the 9,000. Well, me being in first place, yes, I've got my 9,000 locked and loaded. If I'm dropping down to 8,000, 7,000, 6,000 because I've been constantly memeing around, I'm going to eventually either quit playing or I'm going to go back to square one and, and play as competitively as I possibly can. So that that way, if second place person ever passes my current score that I have, not my peak score, my current score, let's say I drop down to 5,000 and they're up to 5,000. And one. And one, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, at this rate, if they pass me and they eventually pass my peak score, at, if I'm behind them, I, I just have that much less chance of actually passing them. And that is the issue with this like peak leaderboard thing is that it doesn't actually solve this fundamental psychological thing that's going on in people's minds while playing these modes and so like the ultimate issue with heroes league is that we get fatigue playing competitively for 20 to 25 ish days over the month sure especially people who don't have as uh, well developed of a collection as we do right if you're locked into just playing oh, one two or three decks Rush or a month like, yeah. and then yeah, you're yeah, just yeah. Like, that's what you do. And yeah, you don't want to lose games. You're trying to make coins for winning. So you keep playing that same deck over and over again. But, uh, you know. It's going to make it only worse, too, with the ability to uh, regulate to a previous ladder. If a person starts feeling that general stress is too much, hey, I've made Heroes League now. I, I'm going to get my leaderboard rewards. I'm going to regulate myself back down to Diamond and be able to dink dink around for the entire rest of the month. The issue with being able to do this is, number one, obviously the queue times in Heroes League just get a little bit worse. But then number two, once I make that decision, I cannot go competitive again because the amount of points that I have to lose in order to get regulated back down to Diamond means that for the entire rest of the month, I am I'm out of the running for the top X place. And so it's a one-way street. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know if you can relegate out of the Heroes League actually. They don't say that you can't. Yeah, it, I would I just But it does say you have to lose 3 in a row at the lowest possible division of your current league. Oh, oh. so you have to be the bottom most player. <laughs> there you go. Uh this gentleman at at or or gentlewoman at 9000 crowns, right? Um, because of the way the formula works for uh, uh, rewarding uh, crowns at the end of a match, uh, Rubanich, 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 we'll go Rubanich. with Rubanich. In second place. In, in second place, their best source of crowns to try to catch up to that 9,000 peak is playing Oxwald, the number one player, because of the disparity between them in terms of crowns. Anyone else that Rubanich plays against is going to be lower crowned than Rubanich, and as such, they're going to only get a smaller set of crowns for the win. So if Oxwald could just concede three games in a row and get out of the Heroes League, Oxwald takes away Rubanich's biggest source of potential crowns for the rest of the month. This Oxwald is true. sitting down in Diamond sipping on a pina colada going... But it does seem... <laughs> Very yeah. unlikely that are they're going to get seven thousand points past yeah, the next I person. I know, I know, yeah. But but no, but, but, but you see in, my point, in general, like, right? 
fighting the people who are above you on the ladder is twice as effective because not only do you gain more crowns for your win, but they lose that many crowns for their loss. Mm-hmm. So anybody who, to your point earlier, Thomas, anyone who reaches a peak, if you make your way up to 1,800 crowns early on in the season, you decide, you know what, I'm I'm good here. I'm almost, I'm very likely to make the top 10. I'm just going to hang out in meme. Well, now you're donating your crowns to the people that are trying to catch trying you. Trying to catch you. <laughs> exactly. 100%. And it, that makes it just so much less likely that you're going to actually keep that score. So you're right. I don't know if the peak score really changes anything at the top, um, but maybe it, maybe it helps out uh, a little bit with anxiety for some people. Uh, I don't know. I look at the way most of the months of the Heroes League have gone recently, and it's a very, very different list in the last couple of days than it is uh, even in the last week of mm-hmm. the season. Yep. People people come storming in late. I don't know if you're paying attention to the latter now. We are recording this on literally the last night of the month, and Merck has like just skyrocketed. He's been... Uh, apparently playing like crazy the last two days and he jumped all the way up into number one from i don't i don't even remember seeing him in the top 20 you know four or five days ago why not right like why not that that's Mm -hmm. that's what merc does um exactly but yeah so so going back to like your original question i mean like what did they have to do to like for like these cards or like the game mode and for me like it's like the game mode um and, and since like this is current style is like a one-way street like you once you decide one way or another you can always decide to go back down the ladder but once you make that decision you cannot go back up the ladder and so your decision is still always going up the the ladder to be more competitive and get higher in the heroes league and that's currently what we have today and that's what's uh stressful and the only other thing that I can think of that would help was actually, uh, oh man, I'm going to feel terrible because I cannot remember the player's name on Discord that had the idea, but to have like something like uh, Heroes League only actually give you points on the weekend. Like Saturday, Sunday, Heroes League, when you're playing, you your score will actually change, and then the rest of the week, nope, you're, you're locked in. Whatever you're at during Monday through Friday, that is your score for for the entire week. It's basically your casual playground mode. You can play test decks. You can meme around. You can do whatever. But Saturday and Sunday, those ones actually matter. I love that. That's a great idea. I really love that. I I, I think that's a that's a brilliant idea for for just a myriad of reasons. Uh, uh, not the least of which would be queue times, right? Like you're focusing the players into the mode in a smaller section of the of the week which means that the queue times on Sunday and Saturday are going to be much better like if you're looking to find a competitive match well so are all the other competitors well and then on top of that on the days where it's not competitive you don't need to worry about matchmaking you can just suspend matchmaking and match literally anyone in the heroes league up with anyone else in the heroes league it's fine right exactly yeah just yeah just turn off the 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 block and just if anybody wants to play against my faithless prophets deck let's go Mm -hmm. yeah exactly like it was something like that that they like mentioned that to me and it's like huh yeah you you just broke like exactly everything that i had as like a a pain point and yeah your idea is genius because 
that's all I have to do. Like, if I get, like, one day a week, I mean, like, if you play too competitively too long for literally anything, whether it's chess, uh, any any game that you want to mention, it's going to be just too much for anyone to be competitive all day, every day, for an entire month straight. No, 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 because when that month's over, do you know what happens? You get, like, a two- or three-day reprieve, and then you're right back at it. Exactly. And it should actually be more like 80 to 90% of the time you're messing around or you're getting ready for the next competition. And it doesn't necessarily, look, it doesn't even necessarily have to be just the weekends. You could do a thing where uh, Heroes League doesn't ladder you up or down until the last five days, right? Like you could just turn it into a five-day sprint right at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. That would also 100% work. Like Just anything that makes it time-limited. Yes, exactly. As long as it, again, it kind of follows that, I don't know if you've ever heard of like the 80-20 rule where you want to like 80% of your time to follow a certain thing and then the last 20% to, to follow something else. And under current state, um, the 80% of our time is spent in Heroes Competitive League, which is what's causing burnout for uh, a lot of these high-level players like myself because it's just too much and then 20% is spent messing around. If it was more flipped, then I could see burnout happening a lot less. So so you are an engineer. You have to give credit where credit is due. The 80-20 rule comes from Vilfredo Pareto. Same dude, I think, that does the Pareto diagram. This, he was an Italian economist from like, I don't know, 100 years ago, maybe maybe a little more. So yeah, that's a Pareto rule or, Good. or Pareto principle. Nice to know. What mm-hmm, we have, mm-hmm. what we have seen is definitely the modes that are time limited, like draft and brawl. They do attract more play in a short period of time because you know it's it's a very limited amount of time you get to spend in that mode. You got to make the most of it. Uh, I never have queue problems in draft. I rarely have queue never. problems in brawl. So I I do think that this would help quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not to say you couldn't play it the rest of the time. It's just that it's like a casual mode. You're, exactly. you're only queuing into you're only queuing into other HL players or or diamond players. Uh, but you know, you don't have to sweat the game. If you want to meme, if you want to just chillax, if hey, you just picked up the uh, final copy you needed to level up some legendary that you've never had at five to five, and you're like, oh, finally, I can start playing around with this card. I don't know how to play with it. And you well, know, there's there's a vocal contingent. Uh, I don't know if they're a, a minority or a majority, but uh, definitely people who say they don't appreciate the competitiveness of the Heroes League and they prefer the old Diamond One where it was just a, a sandbox where you could do whatever you want and you would never lose rank. It didn't matter. You know, five days a week, they could get exactly what they're looking for here. I'm completely on board. Uh, And again, whether or not you want to do it just weekends or whether or not you want to do it just a portion of the month, like, you know, all in all in one, the last five days, last 10 days, whatever. Fine. Um, I love all of those ideas. Uh, I do. I do agree that that it's a marathon and that's fine that it's a marathon. But it's a marathon that then needs to be followed up with a marathon the following month. <laughs> and that's where it gets to be a problem, right? Like even 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 uh, Tour de France bicyclists need a break when they're done with a tour. Uh, and, and, and right now there is no uh, break in this game. So that would be great. Um, but I still do. F- I, I, I personally am not 
being impacted by that because of just the lack of time I have for the game. And for me, I keep coming back to the fact that I haven't needed to change my decks since May. I just, you know, randomly grab one from my deck list and go on the ladder and I'm playing the same matchups, the same style of opponents, the same, like nothing, nothing changes in, in what I have to do between May and today that, that, that to me, um, scares me. It makes me feel like the, the game is, is only has a certain number of years where it can entertain a specific player before that player is just like, all right, well, I now feel like I've kind of experienced everything that I can experience in the game. And I don't want people to ever get to that point. I want, I want there to continually be changes uh, that shake it up enough that that even to those players who've been playing for multiple, I want MKM to queue up and go. This doesn't even feel like Stormbound anymore. This feels like something totally new and fun and exciting, <laughs> right? I want both. I'm. I'm. So I mean, like, I I play Magic the Gathering every other Thursday night with uh, my friends in real life, and the game still 100% feels the same. I mean, we've built cubes and commander decks that have been the same for three or four years. And we we know how half of our games are going to play out, but it's an excuse to just get together and have fun. And so I don't think it necessarily needs to feel that uh, different in this game, as long as we have that, I guess, endorphin release by the end of those games. And that's kind of where my burnout is coming from in Heroes League is that I'm not I'm not getting that because it's too competitive and not casual enough. That's fair. That's fair. Because at the end of the day, with that level of competition, Thomas, I don't know that you would even even if new play styles were being introduced, new win conditions were being introduced. I I, I feel like at that level of competitiveness most of the player base is maybe a little risk averse. You don't want to try out the new things because you know the old thing that's super aggressive is going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, my experience from Hearthstone, every time a new expansion came out, um, the casual, like 80%, to use the 80-20 Parader's rule, 80% of the, 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 the player base would be experimenting with the fun, new, exciting cards from the expansion, Sabaiku. And then you and I were just, we would show up with our most aggressive deck and just beat everybody for a week. Right, yeah, you want to gain rank. You rush them down while they're goofing off. They're goofing <laughs> off. We were like, no, no, no. We're just going to play hyper-competitive, bro. Pirate Warrior, here we go. Hey, but I'm going to be honest. I think the reason why I won uh, Heroes League in September was because that was the month that Sparkly Kitty Ki- Sparkly Kitties came out. And mm-hmm. I upgraded it to level five. And I was the one of the very few players that I was playing against with people. And it's like, yeah, every game's a breeze. I wonder why. <laughs> because nobody else had it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. it's definitely an advantage. Um, You know, look, not to disparage your your, uh, uh, achievement there, because making number one is not easy. Um, But also, like resource management is a part of the game, too. Like you you spent your resources in a way that gave you a competitive advantage. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no. But but at the end of the day. Uh, you were playing the same style you were playing the month before. You just had a little power creep over your opponents. True, right? Is is kind of what you're saying? It, it did. You weren't suddenly playing a whole new thing that your opponents had never seen before and didn't know how to handle. It was just that you were winning trades that you otherwise would have been having equal trades on. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it was still just. Well, I guess it was the swarm chipped or uh, sh- 
uh, ironclad chip deck. So slightly yeah. different than uh, our traditional uh, smash the face. Sure, sure. Uh, and look, I, I'm glad, by the way, that uh, we haven't seen an ironclad tower deck in the meta for a long time. And I'm, I'm glad that we're starting to see these kinds of, uh, of different play styles getting brought out. And, and it's good that, that maybe we're going to start seeing uh, confusion uh, decks come out. But um, yeah, the, the other way they could go would be a completely new play style. Right or like like another draft like we need another draft. I, I think I said that to Spiku. Did I say that to you like two months ago? Like gosh, the game what the game really needs right now is another draft mode. You, you did, and and you're not wrong. Like I'm just trying to think about the pace of the improvements that we did get. Right, like right exactly. Heroes League was in March of last year, and then draft was out in December of last year. Um, and now we, here we are nine months later and we've, we've seen new cards and the cards are fun and interesting, but you know, the ones that are really fun and interesting are the ones that are legends also. And like, they haven't made their way into the game much. And when, when they don't get introduced into the game, the games still kind of all feel the same. Well, you know, okay. You... So go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, nope. no, You're first. Nope. All right. Too it's bad. fine. So my crew, you do it. <laughs> Uh, I was just going to say to your point, Freeloader, right? Like you don't want to just see the same set, the core set of cards in every matchup. Uh, You want to be surprised. If you start seeing confusion, you're going to be surprised. Like I am going to be delighted when my opponent does something unexpected because it gives me something different to play around other than just raw putting these strengths into this tile. Correct. Now, Thomas, what were you going to say? Yeah, so what I was going to ask is that how for like this card's um, lifespan that it's had, how many game modes should it have? Like what it kind of feels like you guys are kind of asking is that they pump out a new one like every six months. And so in two years from now, we're going to have another like four. We're going to have like a seven game modes. And, and that's where I want to pump the brakes a little bit. Like what is actually like a realistic for like this game's like current life cycle that it's had and realistically how many game modes versus instead really truly improving the current game modes. No, that's fair. And I'm not trying to say that it needs a new game mode every six or nine months. I'm trying to say it needs something to spice it up, something that makes it feel new every six months. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think I think m- when I m- my original feeling when I was coming into this game, like I've literally been coming into this game and, and playing my entire month's worth of playing now happens in the last three nights of the month since since June, because I'm renovating my home, I just I don't have the time. So I'm coming in right at the end of the month. I'm just running through diamond one night's worth of work, two nights worth of work, and I'm making it to Heroes League to get my chest. And the game feels the same to me every time I go back into it. And my initial thought a couple of months ago, I'm telling Spike, it needs another draft mode. It needs something else that just makes it feel new. And I've evolved that that thought from we need like a two versus two, like a two on two version of the game. That's where my head was going. Like we need something that just totally feels new and different. Thing is, I don't even know if no, I can agree no, with that. Though. Yeah, but, but, okay, yeah, sorry. Well, exactly. So my that was my initial like we need to spice it up. I've evolved from there to just saying, well, look, no, the real problem with the game, because look, even in draft, even if you create like a combo win condition, if three, if these three cards are these three units, 
If this tower, this unit, and this other legendary are all on the board at the same time, you automatically win, right? Like like Hearthstone does stuff like that, where if you have these three cards on the board at the same time, you've just won. It's a combo deck kind of concept. Sheepyard could do that, right? Stormbound could have that. But if you had that, draft mode won't do that. The odds of you being able to draft those three cards are so minuscule that that you're still going to revert to this win condition of units go face. That's right. Like at the end of the day, I'm going to put units on the board. They're going to go into your base. I'm going to win the game. So even if we start introducing more play modes, unless those play modes have complete access to your entire library and all the rest of that, they're going to be bound by the same issue. So it really comes back to ladder to the standard game mode. We need to spice that up uh, that, because that's where we need to start adding in my mind. Like Again, this is just the, the evolution of my thought process in all of this. More win conditions will impact standard more than they will impact draft mode because in draft, you won't be able to control the cards that you have so much. They will impact standard more than they will impact brawl because in Brawl, the modifiers might actually take some of those other win conditions and make them unachievable, or at least much less efficient than they would be in Standard. So at the end of the day, it's Standard that we want everyone playing anyway. That's where we want to make the change. So it's not about necessarily adding in new play modes and diluting the queue times across multiple play modes. It really does come back to just the idea that we need to break the rules of Standard on some regularity of basis, not every month, but but often enough that the game starts to feel different, not only as the player with the card that breaks the game, but as the player against them. And there's so many different examples out there of, of, of silly, crazy things that could be done. Um, and I don't know that all of them are good ideas. I don't know that all of them would work, but, but just throw some out there. I, I, I think... I think where I'm at now is that standard needs uh, just more variety in it, more than I am the game needs more game modes. That's exactly where I was going with this, and that was the reason why I wanted to um, kind of call it out was because of the fact that you were mentioning you really only play the last three nights of the week, and just like how even though draft mode was a brand new game mode, you're clearly not doing that while you're doing your house renovations. You go back to the standard, and so therefore the standard is the one that needs that true focus on it because that's inevitably what we are going to revert back to when we have less time. Yeah, definitely. It's the majority of the way that the majority of the players interact with the game, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. And so and so that's where we are. Um, I, I, I think, you know, let's let's summarize from here. We, we, we all agree that, that the game has never been in better shape than, than it's been put into in 2022, right? Like 2022 is the best the game's ever been in terms of our experience with it. 100%. That's great. But it's also not enough, right? We're, it's just this can't sustain the game in perpetuity. It will be a fun thing to pick up for new players to develop their libraries, to get them to a mature enough point. And at some point, they basically hit the the feeling of I've played the game, right? I'm 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 through to the end. I understand everything that there the game has to offer, and I'm done. So unless we can find some way of interjecting newness, not just new cards, but newness of play to standard, we're we're going to we're we're going to run into this problem. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode, which means it's time for me to remind you. 
to contact us, preferably in our channel in the Stormbound Discord server, on Twitter at BroodSages, and you can email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. Uh, Arasano asks, what happens to a confused Vavil when moving? And that's a wonderful question, especially given the new tower. I don't know. I had this happen. <laughs> I did this. I oh, confused I confused an opponent's Vavel. It teleported back and then killed his underground springs. It was fantastic. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> So dumb, I love it. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. For Sabaiku and Thomas, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages, reminding you to stay hydrated.